Hello everyone, and thank you for joining me for this podcast. Thickpen and Cleckley, two psychiatrists, reported a case study of a woman with multiple personalities. Now, having more than one personality is called Dissociative Identity Disorder, or DID. Some of you may be aware of the book Sybil, written by a journalist, Schreiber, in 1973. That describes a woman who became aware of having 17 other personalities during 11 years of therapy. The film The Three Faces of Eve portrays a woman who had three personalities, and this is the Eve of Thickpen and Cleckley's case study, and that's what I want to focus on in this particular podcast. I want to talk about and essentially review their 1954 uh, research paper into this particular person and give a little bit of background behind dissociative identity disorder. So let's start with what it actually is. Well, DID is classified in both the DSM-4 and ICD-10. So let's just explain what those two things are to begin with. The DSM-4 is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 4th edition. It's a manual which categorises all types of mental disorder. The ICD-10 also categorises mental disorder, but it stands for the International Classification of Diseases. Now, in fact, in the ICD-10, DID is referred to as multiple personality disorder, or MPD, and that, some of you listening might be more familiar with that particular term, multiple personality disorder. It's called a dissociative disorder because there is a clear division or dissociation between areas of the person's conscious awareness. So its characteristics are the person showing two or more distinct personalities. Now, these alternative, if you like, personalities are sometimes called alters. Each personality has its own way of behaving, with its own memories, its own uh, likes and dislikes. The different personalities take control of the person for periods of time, and only one personality is evident at any one time. The personalities may not be aware of the other personalities, or only one personality may be aware of the others. Some people notice a loss of time or blackouts when another identity is in control. The person can't remember important personal information. This forgetting is not just normal forgetfulness. And it's ensured that the physical effects of a substance, such as drug abuse or medical conditions like epilepsy, do not cause these symptoms. So let's now talk about their actual research paper. So uh, the research paper that I'm referring to is Thickpen and Cleckley's study of 1954 entitled A Case of Multiple Personality, uh, documented in the Journal of Abnormal and Social Psychology, volume 32, pages 135 through to 151, if anyone would like to Uh, make reference to that particular source material. So what they aimed to do, or ultimately to show, was evidence of dissociative identity disorder. They used evidence from a case study of a female patient to show that the disorder does actually exist. So in terms of their methodology, they took, well, a case study of just one patient. The patient was known as Eve White. In fact, the real name uh, of this patient was Chris Sizemore. She was 25 years old, married woman. And Thigpen and Cleckley conducted about 100 hours of interviews with Eve over a period of about 14 or so months. 
She was referred to them because she was having severe headaches and these blackouts that I referred to earlier, and she had amnesia of a recent trip. She'd been hearing a voice in her head. She also denied completing and sending a letter to Thigpen and Clackley, which was written in two very distinct styles. Now, Thigpen and Cleckley used hypnosis with Eve. They uh, state that at times it was necessary for her to be hypnotised in order for us to talk with, quote, Eve Black. Now, in addition to Thigpen and Cleckley's interviews, an independent psychologist conducted psychometric and projective tests on Eve White and Eve Black. A separate expert conducted EEGs on all three personalities. So what were the results? Well, they found evidence for three different personalities. Eve White was self-controlled and conventional. She didn't know that the other personalities existed until the therapist told her, ultimately told her about them. Eve Black, though, first appeared in a session with Thigpen and Cleckley when Eve White put both hands to her head as though she was in pain, then dropped them and said hello to the psychiatrist in a bright voice that sparkled. Eve Black was more childish and mischievous. She talked objectively about Eve White and had no compassion for her. Eve Black remained aware while absent. Jane, who emerged later in well, in a later session rather, was much more mature, she was vibrant and more capable than Eve White. The psychologist used projective and psychometric tests on Eve White and Eve Black. And when I talk about projective, I'm talking about many people might be familiar with the Rorschach test. Now, he found that Eve White was cooperative and anxious, whereas Eve Black was less anxious. Their basic behaviour was very similar, but Eve White was more obsessional and rigid whereas Eve Black was more hysterical. Analysis of their personality suggested that Eve White showed repression, whereas Eve Black showed regression. Eve White's IQ was about 110, but Eve Black's IQ was about 104, so a little bit lower. But what's important are the EEG results. The EEGs indicated that all three personalities showed tension. This was most in Eve Black, less in Eve White and least in Jane. The brain rhythms which indicate relaxation were normal for Eve White and Jane, but significantly increased for Eve Black. Thigpen and Cleckley concluded that Eve White and Eve Black were personalities of two different stages of life, one before Eve got married and one after she married. The EEG suggested that Eve White and Jane were similar, but Eve Black was a distinguishable personality and over time Jane became stronger. Thigpen and Cleckley regarded Jane as I guess you could say the most well-adjusted of the three different personalities. They concluded that their patient did have DID. They argued that the patient does not have schizophrenia because none of the three personalities showed any signs of it. They discussed whether Eve White was acting but they don't think that's the case as she was consistent in her personalities. Now, many people look at this particular case study and they've evaluated it looking at really its strengths and weaknesses and that's what I'd like to focus on now in this part of the podcast. So let's talk about the strengths of this particular case study for DID. Well, 
it really did lead to dissociative identity disorder being regarded as a valid disorder. The case study method provides much in-depth detailed information about a person from over a long period of time and it's generally thought that EEGs can't be faked. So it did provide evidence for three distinct personalities. But sadly there were more weaknesses than strengths. The case study method lacked objectivity, especially when the therapists were involved in trying to help the patient. Evidence from a case study method is difficult to replicate and to generalise. Now, in Thigpen and Kleckley's case, there was no control group. They used qualitative measures of interviews, hypnosis and projective tests, and it is difficult to replicate findings from those measures. The projective tests are open to error, as they are subjective and they require therapist interpretation. Now, these tests are vulnerable to a patient's attempts to fake the multiple personalities. And in fact, some patients use the diagnosis of DID as a legal defence. An ethical issue that arises is whether therapists have the right to decide which personalities are allowed to persist in a way to kind of live or die, which is a bit of an unusual uh, one to think about. The EEGs could be reflecting the different demands of role-playing each personality uh, rather than be reflecting real multiple personalities. And Chris Sizemore, or Eve White, later revealed that she had more personalities before and after 1954. Thigpen and Cleckley did not detect those, though. And so it's doubted whether DID is a real disorder. So... Is it real or is it created? Well, there are different views on the explanation for this disorder. There's been much debate about how it comes into being. And really, there's two main views. And that's spontaneous phenomenon or iatrogenic phenomenon. So let's take the first, spontaneous phenomenon. So that's where the disorder really does exist in the person. And the therapist diagnoses and treats the pre-existing mental disorder. But then there's iatrogenic phenomenon, where the disorder does not pre-exist in the person, but it's created, if you like, by the therapist themselves. The therapist creates it by unconsciously imposing the disorder through their own expectations. The patient reacts to the perceived demands of being in therapy, and I guess you could say lives up to the diagnosis. So does the therapist diagnose the disorder? Or, as some have suggested, does the therapist create it? Well, let's look at the arguments for what I've just spoke about. Well, let's start with the arguments for DID being a spontaneous disorder. Well, there are many case studies of DID which have collected information over many hours. This is taken as evidence that DID is spontaneous. So, for example, Thigpen and Cleckley gathered evidence from over 100 hours of interviews. There is physiological evidence for the existence of distinct personalities, so EEGs. The psychodynamic view proposes that traumatic childhood events cause DID. In fact, it argues that when it's not possible to completely repress traumatic childhood events, the person dissociates to leave the body and escape the pain. There is evidence of DID patients having experienced abuse early in life. That suggests that DID is spontaneous and that it's the cause or that the cause rather lies in childhood, which precedes the therapy by many years. 
and projective tests can be used to identify the different personalities. But, as always, there are arguments against. In fact, arguments very much for it being an atrogenic disorder. The case study method has several limitations, which means that the therapist may miss signs that the patient is faking or living up to the diagnosis. First, the therapists are, and quite rightly, trying to help the patient. They're not setting out to test if the patient is faking the symptoms. Also, the use of self-report information from the patient means that the therapist can be easily misled or duped by them. Patients may, as I said, live up to that diagnosis as they will receive much attention from the therapist, which can, in some cases, they find rewarding or can be rewarding. The EEG findings also could reflect the different demands of role-playing each personality, as I said earlier, rather than there being an actual distinct personality. The link between childhood abuse and DID is debated, as not all DID patients have experienced childhood abuse. It's also possible that false memories of abuse are created during hypnosis. As projective tests require subjective interpretation, the therapist may find evidence which confirms what they expect to find. These tests are also vulnerable to a patient's attempts to fake. It is possible for the patient to produce separate identities because they're responding to suggestion when under hypnosis. So the therapist's expectation that the patient has DID actually influences how they perceive the patient's behaviour and it also leads them to unwittingly suggest to the patient that they have that disorder. And again, hypnosis could also suggest false memories of early abuse. Once the therapist and or the patient have given names and characteristics to the alters then they really become established and it becomes easy to believe that these alters really do exist and one particular important uh kind of thing to note is that the amount of did cases being diagnosed has massively increased as awareness of the disorder has increased that means that people or more people rather can fake the symptoms as they're now more aware of what they actually are Interestingly though, and just uh, to finish on this note, the diagnosis of DID has increased in just some cultures. In fact, there were only about 200 cases of DID reported worldwide before it was included in the DSM back in 1980. However, by 1984, there were more than 1,000 cases reported in the USA alone. And that's according to Brown's study back in 1984. So that suggests that piece of research says that DID is a culture-bound syndrome. On that note, I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone for listening to this particular podcast. If you have any questions or queries about it, do get in touch at kytospology at gmail.com. Uh, it's a fascinating uh, research paper that Thigpen and Cleckley put together. Again, just to remind you that you can find that in the Journal of Abnormal and Social Psychology, volume 32. It's entitled The Case of Multiple Personality. I'd like to thank as well our sponsors Curriculum Press for providing content for me to use for this particular podcast. So thanks again, everyone. And until next time.